Danielle. And this is Dan. Together we pastor Hope Culture Church in Elgin, Illinois. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. We are so glad to be with you this morning. Um, For those of you watching online or in the room, we're just excited and thankful. Uh, We're wrapping up our series called Part of a Movement. Uh, It's been really fun. Some of you are like, oh, we're wrapping it up. We love it. Some of you are like, yay, change. You guys are the ones who are just like always ready for something new. But either way, we're excited to be closing out these first few chapters of the book of Acts. And we open the series with the question, why do we do this? Why does the church exist? Why, why do we gather together? What's so important about it? And we, we really boiled it down to the fact that the early church started because they truly believed and witnessed that Jesus died and rose from the, from the grave. And because of that, they, they had a shared faith, a common mission to tell other people about that good news that Jesus had sent them out and saying, tell everybody, go make disciples of all nations. And then we talked about how we do that in the context of a transformed community. Last week, we talked about how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things when we put our our faith in him. Probably my favorite week out of the three so far. And I wanted to wrap up the series just looking at this next portion in chapter four and chapter five about the difference prayer makes as we follow Jesus in this movement. I hope that as you think about church now, it's less about a building and it's less about an event and more about a a group of people who have surrounded their life on this belief that Jesus is who he said he was, that he rose again and it changes everything. And so as we think about that, it should change not just the way we interact with community or, or change the purpose and vision and direction of our life or, or give us things that God has us do. It should also change the way we pray. And prayer actually becomes the way God makes this movement unstoppable. Because we've talked about how is something that started so long ago still going and growing? It's incredible to think about what God is doing in the context of of the local church and the global church. And I think that this is one of the keys. There's a few different factors, but as we're going through the book of Acts, we're going to see that God uses prayer in special ways. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about prayer. We ask that question about church, but maybe prayer brings up different connotations. Maybe you're like, I love prayer. That's like my gifting. I'm an intercessor. I I spend 18 hours a day praying or, you know, whatever it may be. Or maybe you're just a little bit more like, you know, prayer is the thing that like some of the Christians are doing. And I know like we pray on Sundays and I, I pray for my food and I pray with my kids before they go to bed, but that's pretty much the extent of it. We have a whole spectrum of maybe what you think or used to or, or your church background changes. Maybe you think, do I have to pray so loud like some people pray or is it okay to kind of just pray quietly or in my head? Or do I have to like quote Bible verses? Is that like extra points? Does that get farther into heaven? Is God more likely to hear that? Or, you know, we have all of these things that come to mind with prayer. We're like, man, that person knows how to pray. But the reality is, is I don't think it's all of those things that makes the difference. I think it's our heart and our posture and just the nature of God. Yeah, there, there are things that influence. The Bible talks about, you know, your relationship with your spouse or, or maybe sin that you have unconfessed that can hinder your relationship in prayer. But other than that, we all come from equal praying ground. That's like equal playing ground. That was like a play on words. It wasn't, I don't know if it was supposed to be funny. It just kind of came out that way. But we, we come to this place where our prayer goes before God as equal. And I want to pick up in Acts. And uh, the booth was telling me a minute ago, they're like, you have way too much scripture in the slides ready to go. So bear with me. We're going to try to cover a lot of ground. We're going to skip around a little bit. So you might want to have your Bible handy. We're going to be in the, the second part of chapter four and the beginning part of chapter five. 
Just to catch those of you up who, who weren't here or missed the last couple weeks, we've been looking at Peter and John and how they went. And last week we learned that they healed somebody who was unable to walk. And because of that, they were taken in front of the Sadducees and kind of put on trial. And basically, they're like, we can't stop doing what we're doing. We have to tell what we've seen and what we've heard. And if you guys remember that, that verse in, in chapter 4, verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training. We just talked about the importance of being with God, that they, had, they were people who had been with Jesus and been in his presence, and that changed everything. So Peter and John leave already telling them we're going to go and do the same thing. Like, we're not really done. We just told people about Jesus. We're going to keep telling people about Jesus. And the first thing they do after they were threatened and told, stop doing this, is they went back and prayed. And that's where we're going to pick up in verse 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to other believers and told them what leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And I want to pause right there in that they just got set free. They were given a warning. They were told, don't do this anymore. And their first response, the very first thing they did is they went back with their friends and prayed. And this, this happens a lot throughout scripture. You know, if you remember in Daniel, when Daniel and uh, the, his three friends, they're like trying to come up with the dream and the interpretation of, of what the king had. And so what they do, they say, we need a little time. And they, they go back and pray with their friends. It's that same idea of just, hey, my first response is I'm desperate and I need God to move. I need God to show up. And I think how often do we make prayer our last resort instead of our first response? How often do we, do we go through the list and say, I've talked to this person, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done everything I can on my own. And now, God, it's only up to you. It's our last resort. I'm not even saying that's bad. We should turn to God. I'm just saying, what if instead of it being our last resort, it was our first response? That as soon as we got the bad news, we turned to God. As soon as we heard this thing that our friends are going to, as soon as we get that confrontation, as soon as any of those things happen, we're like, God, we need you. Our first response instead of our last resort. Too often, we come up with another strategy. Because I was, if I was thinking about this, I was trying to put myself and just think, what would it be like? What were Peter and John feeling? What were their friends feeling when they came back and said, you know, they threatened us in this way? If I was one of the friends that Peter and John came back to, I probably would have given pretty bad advice in that moment. Just being honest, I would have been like, hey guys, why don't we just like lay a little lower until it kind of calms down a little bit. You know, we've got a lot of momentum. We're, we're just a little bit into this thing, and we've already got over 5,000 people. You know, we, we're like growing. We're doing what Jesus told us to do. Like, let's just lay low, maybe get some security for you guys. You guys, I've heard, you know, Peter, you've got some boldness. Why don't you talk about this? And John, I know you're really into like love. You could give a little sermon on love. I don't think that'll like ruffle too many feathers. They just were like, don't talk about the resurrection so much. But that's not what they do. They're focused on the resurrection, and they actually come back and pray, and we're going to look in a minute. They're, they're praying to be more bold in doing what's already gotten them into trouble in the first place. And I just, it, it was convicting for me to think about how often do we make it easy for ourselves, or do we pray prayers that just keep us safe or, or within our comfort zone? And I was just convicted with this thought of we're never going to step into our calling while we're still inside our comfort zone. 
We spent a few weeks talking about what is God calling us to. You know, before this series, we were in a series called um, all about getting direction from God and, and good guidance from his word. And I really came back to this idea of like, we're never going to step into those things he's calling us to do if we're still stuck in our comfort zone. But it's hard. It's, it's not as fun as, as just a message on, on love or unity or, or on some of these other things. It's just like, can we just cool it, Peter and John, on the resurrection a little bit? You're making people upset. You're putting our lives in danger. And then I, I thought of this quote from R.A. Tori. It says this, all that God is and all that God has is at the disposal of prayer. R.A. Tori, he was uh, a great guy. He was actually one of the presidents of Moody. And he says, all that God is and all that God has is at the disposal of prayer. Prayer can do anything that God can do. And God can do anything, everything. So prayer is omnipotent, all-powerful. That's such a good, concise quote, because I don't think we, we know that intellectually, but I don't know if we always believe that deeply. We're like, God can do anything, and prayer is just access to the Father, and we know that we have full access, that the veil was torn, we can come directly and boldly into his presence and ask for everything and anything, and we know that Jesus even talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit coming, and he says, he compares God to a father saying, you know, if you ask for, for bread, who's going to give their son a rock, or if you ask for the Holy Spirit, who's going to give something else, and he's just like, that's how our father is. He owns everything. He's the creator of all. He's all-powerful. And we have access to that, and yet it's our last resort. But really, we have, we have the person on our side who is the creator of everything. And that's actually how they start praying. When they heard the report in verse 24, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them, I think if we want to pray bold prayers like they prayed in, in the early church, I think we need to remember who we're talking to. I think we need to remember that he actually can do something. That it's not just a therapy session where I can kind of give God whatever I'm going through. And I think that's actually really, really important that we're honest like David and talk about our emotions and our inner struggles and all of those things. That's essential. But we also need to remember that he can actually do something that he's all-powerful, that he's sovereign, creator of all. Romans 8 says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? I think there's times where I feel it changing inside of me, like my perspective and my outlook on something. When I just step back and just turn to praise and thanksgiving and remembering who God is, when I'm like, God, you are holy, you've created everything, you've given me new life, you've done all of these things, that there's something that the bigger God gets in my perspective, the smaller my problems seem. But the problem is when we're so focused on our problems and everything seems so big, our view of God gets kind of small. And I think that's essential if we're going to pray bold prayers that we have a big view of who God is, that nothing's impossible for him. In the next verse, that it, um, they begin quoting um, Psalms 22. It says, You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The king of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against the Messiah. So 
Peter, in this moment, when they're praying and everybody's crawling out, they're, they're quoting this psalm, which is saying, God, we see that this is not unexpected to you. We, we understand that you're the creator of all, and that this is not a surprise that people would be angry, that, that people would push against the Messiah, the Lord. And I think that's a comforting fact, too, to be like, God, this is not catching you by surprise. Because we know that, again, intellectually. But do we know that deep down, that, God, you, you already know. And I'm coming to you because you can do something about it. You can do something in me. You can change the, the circumstances. But even if you don't, I will trust you. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed. Even if, I believe my God will show up in the fire, but even if you don't, I will trust you. And then what they do is after they quote Psalm 22, they start contextualizing it and, seeing how, and explaining how they see that play out in front of them. In verse 27, in fact, this has happened here in this very city. They start naming names for Herod, Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. It's this view that has a high view of God. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Give us great boldness. I just don't think that's what I would have prayed. I, I think I would have been like praying like what's from Job of give us that hedge of protection when we pray that and we're like, we don't even fully know what that means, but like, God, protect us, keep us safe, bless our food, you know, our go-to prayers. But they're praying for boldness to go and do the very thing that they've already been getting problems from. Give us great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they do, this, they're praying as Jesus taught them to pray. If you remember in the Lord's Prayer, he says, pray like this. And he says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. All that stuff. And he says, give us this day our daily bread. He makes this transition from saying, God, I see who you are. You are worthy. Blessed be your name. Into give us this day our daily bread. That our prayers should have some sort of balance to them. And I think sometimes we swing one way or the other where we're, we just come to God with what we want from him. God, we're asking for this. We're, we're petitioning for this. We're coming with these things. Or we just come with, you're amazing and we love you, but we never actually expect him to do anything. But really, we should do both. We should have a high view of God and our prayers should incorporate that. But we should also say, God, will you show up? Will you do something in this situation? And I think it's hard because if we can pause for a second from the story of what's happening in Acts and, and just talk as a community is it is hard when you've been walking with Jesus for a long time and you've had things that you have prayed for and you didn't see it happen. It is discouraging. It can rattle your faith. You can be like, but God, I, I thought anything I asked in your name that's according to your will, like you would show up and I just don't understand why you wouldn't hear. Or, you know, we come and we're frustrated, but we're like, God, we've seen you do this exact thing before or in this other person's life, but, but we don't right now. And I think that is a tension we live in as followers of Jesus that we don't fully understand. We know in part, we prophesy in part, all of the things, we just, we have a partial picture. 
But I think when we're in those times, we surround ourselves with community who can speak simple truths. Not simple truths that dismiss the pain of what we're going through, but that can be anchors for us to hold on to. That we can say, I don't know why, and I know you are in pain, but nonetheless, God is still good. He still loves you. I mean, we were even praying in the dream team huddle before service. We were saying, God, we know you can do anything. And like we just said, even if we still love you, and we we prayed and said, God, even if you never did a thing for us ever again, we have reason to believe that you love us and that you are good. Because you sent your one and only son to die for us when we didn't deserve it. But we're so quick to be like, man, God doesn't show up exactly how I expect him to. Maybe he doesn't love me. No, God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I can't come with a perfect, easy theology saying this is why or, or point to this. And I, I can come alongside and say, yeah, this is in Scripture and, and these are things and the sovereignty of God and, and point and pull from different areas. But at the same time, I want to just sit with you and say that is painful. That's hard. But God is still good. He still loves you. He's still for you. And I think that's the importance of community is that we all have gone through these seasons where it is easier or, or harder or our faith is, is at a different place and that we can come alongside each other and just say, hey, you're going through a hard time right now and I've been through hard times before. I want to pray with you. I want to serve you. I want to love you. And I just want to remind you, God is still good. He's still with you in the middle of your pain. And I know that's a little bit of a tangent from the story, but I think it's worth saying because I think sometimes we've been hurt by a prayer that wasn't answered the way we thought it would be. So we stop praying bold prayers because we want to protect ourselves or we want to protect the person we're praying for. And we're going to pray for something that we know God will answer. We want to pray something that feels a little bit safer. We want to give God an out. We want to be like, you know, I I don't want this person to be struggling if God doesn't show up in that way. And I just think throughout Scripture, we're called to pray full of faith. And and I am not speaking from a place that says, this is just easy, just do it. I, I have had many heartbreaking seasons as a follower of Jesus where I was just like, God, I thought this was going to be different. But the reason that I'm still here and still standing is because I can hold on to those big truths. That I have, I have things in an order where everything is built upon the resurrection. Built upon the fact that God loved us so much that he died for us. That I don't have to have every single, every other thing worked out perfectly. But that I can trust that he's good. And because of that, through community and through healing, I can begin to believe and pray big, bold prayers again. And I think that is my biggest heart and takeaway for us as a church this morning, is that whether you're a brand new believer and you're full of faith and God can do anything, or you've been a believer for 45 years and you're in that same place where God can do anything, or you're anywhere in that middle of the ups and downs of the faith journey, that we can collectively say, what if we still prayed bold prayers? What if we prayed prayers that seemed a little bit dangerous to us? That are are risky 
that they seem like maybe God will show up in that way or maybe he won't or, or maybe it's actually risky for us because if that happens, what it's going to cause for us. I mean, like the disciples saying, give us boldness when they knew the things that came with that. I just want to encourage us, like, what if we actually prayed bold prayers, full of faith, saying, I truly believe you can, God. Will you show up in this way? What if every prayer you prayed in this last year was answered? Not just answered because we know God answers prayer, but what if he was answering it in the way you expected him to? How would your life look different and how would the church look different because of it? What I was convicted about this week is how much would it just change me and my circle versus a bigger circle than that? Am I praying prayers that are bigger than, than just me and my family and, and some of you who we walk closely with? Would it actually change the community? Would it actually change other people in my life if God answered all of those prayers? So they pray boldly full of faith. And why wouldn't they? They just saw God do a miracle. They just saw a man start walking. So they say, God, would you give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And I think the Christian prayer life should be like that. That we should be bold, but we should also understand like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if even if I still trust you, I still love you. I love what happens in response to their prayer because after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Wouldn't it be nice if all our prayers were answered that quickly? That it's while they were still in the same location, God answered their prayer, that it actually shook. And then we see that there's a little bit of a parallel between what's happening here and what just happened in Acts chapter 2. That there's a physical manifestation of the Holy Spirit's presence. In Acts 2, he came with tongues of flames and they were speaking in different languages. Right now, the house is shook. The place where they meet, were meeting tangibly moves. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached God's word with boldness. And I love this verse. And I have held on to this for a huge majority of my Christian life because I naturally don't feel bold. I don't know if you're the same way. Some of you have that bold personality, you know, you're on that, that spectrum of the personality scale where you're just like go-getter, bold, outspoken, all of those things. That's not my natural bent. You know, we talk about this in Growth Track Week 2 when we're talking about personality. We've got introverts and extroverts, and that's where you get your energy. But it also sometimes plays into the way you interact with people and things like that. And some of us are just like, yeah, that's great. You know, that's Peter. He's chopping off people's ears, and he's bold, and he's doing that stuff. But that's not really me. That's not my personality. And it's not my personality either. But what I like is that here in the Scripture, we have reason to believe that boldness isn't just part of somebody's personality, but it's actually something God can do. That's something he can change inside of us. That they said, God, would you help us to be bold? And then a couple verses later, it said, they spoke with boldness. And that encourages me as somebody who's a little bit more introverted, a little bit more reserved at times to be like, God, you can actually do this through me. In, in a biblical sense, boldness isn't really a personality trait. 
It's something God deposits in us. And I, I wanted to share a quick story of this. I remember when I was working at the YMCA, there was a moment where I had been praying for some of my coworkers in my own time with the Lord. And that is a dangerous prayer, as we've been talking about. That can push you outside of your comfort zone. Because we went on a little trip, and we had a bunch of kids with us, and one of my fellow counselors um, really messed up his finger. Like, he fell, and his finger was like one of those situations where it's like sticking sideways. And it's like dislocated and just like we, we popped it back into place, but it was really bothering him and super swollen. And we're like trying to figure out like, are, are we sending him home or all of those things? Or do you want to keep working? Um, and he's figuring it out. And I just felt like that little Holy Spirit nudge to be like, pray for him. I'm like, no, thanks. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like maybe later, like in my, on my own, or I'll just be like, hey, I'll be praying for that. You know, just like that easy, like, I don't want to be the weird guy. And I want to clarify that is when we pray for boldness, we're not praying to be weird. I think that's worth mentioning, right? <laughs> we're not praying God make us into those weird, crazy people. Like sometimes we're going to be weird, but that's really because we already were weird. It's just getting amplified a little bit. But we're praying for boldness. So I go on my lunch break, and I'm just like wrestling with God about this, not even enjoying this wonderful sandwich I had made. And I'm just like, God, do I really have to do this? And I just felt like he was saying, I would like you to do this. And so I just prayed this prayer, God, give me boldness. I don't have it. I will end up just going home at the end of the workday on my own and praying for him later. And I was like, unless you help me. I need boldness. And I think sometimes we think of boldness like we got to psych ourselves up. You know, we got to turn on our favorite like pre-workout playlist or, you know, get our, our music going or like that's what you think I'm doing before service when I'm just like getting ready and getting in the zone. But it's not. It's just like, God, would you show up? Would you do what only you can do? Would you speak through me? Would your word do what it does? Because I have nothing to offer on my own. And it's just the same in that moment. So I ended my lunch break, and I went to him, and I was like, hey, man, this might seem kind of weird, um, but can I pray for you? And he's like, oh, yeah, for sure. And he, like, kind of just turns. He's like, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. I mean, I'm like, no, I mean, like, right now. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. And so I, like, pray for him, and I'm like, God, would you heal his hand? That's not how I started. I was first like, God, would you help him? Would you kind of make the pain less? And I kind of like eased into it. But I felt this thing inside of me where this boldness just started to show up. It wasn't my own. And so I just prayed and I was like, God, would you heal his finger? Would you just touch him and do what only you can do? And, and, we, and I said, amen. And I kind of was like not even expecting anything to really happen. I was just like, God, I was obedient. I did what you asked me to do. But then he's like, man, it feels better. And he's like bending it and the swelling literally was gone. We were walking around showing our coworkers, and they're all like, what? Because they saw it. It was already turning black and blue, and it was the size of like a finger and a half. And he's, he's just blown away. And I'm like, man, this is just like God showing you that he loves you. And like, it turns into this time where I talked about every single person who was on staff that day about how Jesus is real. And I don't know the long-term story of some of those things. Like, I shared the gospel with him, and he's like, man, this has really got me thinking. There's somebody else in my life, my cousin, who tells me all the time they're praying for me, and, you know, maybe I should, like, go to church with them. And I was like, I think that would be a great idea. And it's just, like, that reality of we don't know what will happen if we pray this prayer. Because I think this is often the prayer before the prayer, or the prayer before the interaction, 
where we sometimes are like, I know I'm supposed to share my faith or I know I'm supposed to do this. And either we end up doing it out of obligation and guilt or we end up not doing it. And my goal is not that we do it out of a sense of I'm supposed to do it. I mean, sometimes we do things because we have to, right? But I think the bigger goal is that we'd ask God, God, would you help me do this? Would you give me boldness? I'll pray that risky prayer, God, and I'm just asking that you would show up on the other end of it. But even if you don't, would you create this inside of me? Would you help me to be bold? Boldness isn't just a a characteristic or a personality trait. It's something God can actually do inside of us. He convicts, he comforts, he guides, directs, and he empowers. He gives us the ability to do what he's asking us to do. But I want to warn you as a pastor and friend who loves you that this is a risky prayer to pray. That if you ask God, God, give me boldness, there's a good chance he's going to answer that. And there's usually things that follow that. And if we want to use Paul's story, or not Paul, Peter's story as an example, we know that oftentimes boldness brings opposition. Because he starts doing what he's been doing. He prays, the house shakes. They start doing, there's this like Acts 2 moment all over again. If you want to read through it, the end of chapter 4 is very similar to the end of chapter 2 where it says they're sharing all things and it starts about Barnabas starts selling stuff and the beginning of chapter 5 is Ananias and Sapphira. If you're familiar with Acts, you know their story where they lie to the Holy Spirit and there's grave consequences for that. But immediately after all of that, Peter is once again taken to prison, public jail. And it's not a surprise to him. It's in verse 18. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. And they knew that this was going to happen. At the, his last interaction with the Sadducees, he was basically like, you do what you got to do, but I still have to do what I have to do. I have to tell about what I've seen and heard. I, I must. There's something inside of me that can't stop talking about the resurrection. And so he knows that there's going to be consequences for that, which is why he's praying for boldness to keep doing it. So they arrested him and put him in jail. And I just think boldness often brings opposition. We talked about this last week is that people just respond differently to the gospel. And I, I talked about cilantro as a funny joke, but it's, it's a real biblical principle that to some it's an aroma of life, but some it's an aroma of death. That's Paul's way of saying, hey, this good news hits everybody differently. And Peter's like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the consequences of stepping into what God's asking me to do. Being bold invites opposition. But it also creates an opportunity for God to show up. It creates an opportunity for God to show up in ways we didn't even expect him to or weren't even necessarily praying for him to. Because in the next verse, verse 19, an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. And I love how simply Luke, the writer of Acts, records that. As if like, yeah, of course. But it's like, no, I mean, that's, that's a wild sentence. An angel of the Lord came, opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. Then he told them, go and go to the temple and preach the message. Give the people this message of life. I love that idea that, that this message brings life. And he's just saying, you know, it, boldness invites opposition, but it also invites the move of God. And it's a risky prayer to pray because we don't know exactly what either one of those things will be. We don't know what the opposition will look like, and we don't know exactly how God will move. 
But we're going to say, God, boldly, would you help me to step out so I can see you do what you want to do? When he's preaching in the temple, we see that he's eventually uh, arrested and brought before the same people, that same group. They went and told him in verse 22, the temple guards went to the jail and the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported, the jail was securely locked with guards standing outside, but when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priest heard this, heard this they were perplexed, wondering where would it all end? Like, how is this going to play out? When is this going to stop? And I get this sense, too, of like the high priests and the Sadducees and everybody just wondering, like, when does this come to an end? And I was thinking about that this week, and I thought of Hydra. Who's seen the Marvel movies? Yeah, some of you. Some of you are like, I don't want to raise my hand for that. But that's fine. The Marvel movies, there's this theme where they're like, you take out one guy from Hydra, and they say what? Two more pop up. And they're the bad guys. So I felt a little weird about this analogy because I'm like comparing the kingdom of God to Hydra. But the analogy isn't about their character or what they're accomplishing. The analogy is about how it's unstoppable. That they're like, where does this end? Where will it all end? We're trying to stop Peter, but it's resulting in miracles and actually more people are getting excited. Last time Peter went to jail, there was like 2,000 more people that came to Jesus. Where is this going to end? And someone arrived with startling news. The men you put in jail are standing in the temple teaching the people. And, and here's where I want to kind of land the plane. Due to time, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Um, is that boldly doing what God asks leads to being unstoppable. There's this, there's this passage where uh, Gamaliel, uh, who is a trained Pharisee, different than the Sadducees. He actually mentored Paul, who we talk about a lot, who wrote a lot of the New Testament. He was Paul's teacher and trained him in the law. He says, guys, because they're all arguing about what do we do? What do we do about Peter and John? They're causing us lots of problems. He says, we should slow down. There was a guy who claimed stuff, you know, and he had a few hundred guys who were following him, and and it kind of just died out. And he's like, Maybe we should just give it a little breathing room. And if this is not of God, it's going to fail. But if this is God, we're not going to be able to stop it anyway. We're not going to be able to do anything about it. And in, in fact, if it is from God, we might be fighting against him. Verse 39, but if it's from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. And depending on your translation, you might even, it might even say you won't be able to stop them. And I just wanted to conclude with this thought of, The movement of God, his people, his kingdom is unstoppable when we partner with what he's doing on earth. When we pray bold prayers, when we step into that same invitation of saying, you know, the death and resurrection is real and I can't help but tell you what I've experienced, what I've seen and heard. I can't help but talk about it. If that's the case and God is with us, we truly are unstoppable. And that doesn't mean that it becomes easy and we're unstoppable and invincible. In fact, we know that, that the disciples, their lives were all taken from them in various forms. That it, it didn't end up being just so easy for them. But we also recognize that what they started has grown into something that's so many people. That it's transformed my life and transformed your life and that it's still true today. That God still loves us. He still sent his son. And I think if we want to be a church that is unstoppable, we need to step into praying bold prayers. That we need to be willing to to step outside of our comfort zone. 
And I don't, I don't want to push anybody faster than you're ready. I, I, I want you to grow and be discipled and, and step into community and all those different things. But for those of you who are ready and you have a sense of, of something even happening and the Holy Spirit speaking to you, I just, want, I just want us to make a commitment for one week. Be like, what if we for one week prayed bold prayers? As many of us who are willing to make that commitment, that we said once a day, Two minutes, I'm going to ask God for things that seem uncomfortable for me to ask for. Things that feel risky either for me personally or, or risky, like what if God really does show up in that way? How would that change our community, our church, our, our influence, the city? What if God actually answered some of those prayers that we boldly prayed? I think it would be revolutionary in our life. I think it would increase our faith. Because I don't know about you, but when I see God show up and answer a prayer, it's just like an extra boost of, God, you are amazing. It's a catalyst for that next season of, God, you can do anything. And I, I just started dreaming about what would that look like if we all did that? If we all were like, hey, this is real. I believe this. Jesus died and rose again. We are a, a shared community with a common mission and transformed and loving one another. And we're going to pray bold prayers. We're going to ask for God to do things that are beyond our comfort zone, beyond our control. I'm not going to only ask for things that I know I can accomplish and give God credit for. I'm going to ask God for things that only he can do. I don't know what that is for you. I don't know if it's a family member who you've kind of given hope, given up on, and you're just like, God, would you please reveal yourself to them? God, would you do what only can do? I don't know if it's, it's a physical healing for somebody who's going through something where you're like, God, would you please touch their body? God, I, I don't know if it's, if it's just a work in your own life where you're just like honest and you're like, God, I'm honestly struggling with doubt. I'm struggling with things that have happened. I just, I just need you to show yourself real to me. I don't know what your bold prayer is in this moment, or maybe you're just asking for boldness. You're praying like the disciples prayed and saying, God, would you give me boldness? Would you help me to interact with that coworker differently? Would you help me to interact with that family member differently? Would you help me just to not have something that's of myself, but truly from you? What if we just prayed those prayers for one week and saw what God did? I think we would have some cool testimonies to share next week. I don't know if that would happen in the same time frame or if it's something that we pray now that's going to happen at a different point, but I just believe that God would do something. It's who he is. It's in his nature. And when we do that, we see the unstoppable move of God. So I kind of want to just close service with an invitation to just say, let's, let's do that as a community. Let's pray bold prayers. Maybe set an alarm or a reminder on your phone during your lunch break, whatever you want it to be, before bed in the morning, just to pray big prayers. Maybe, maybe you're in the room too and you're like, I, I just showed up because somebody invited me today. I don't really, I'm not even into the whole Christianity thing yet. Like, this is a lot for me. I just want to give you an invitation just to join what God is doing. An invitation to say, I believe in the death and resurrection, because that's where everything changes. The reason we as Christians are so obsessed with the death and resurrection is because we see that Jesus is the Son of God. He came and lived a perfect life, and he died for my sin and your sin, the ways that we've fallen short of God's standard, and he's given us the power to live a new life because of it, transformed by him. 
So if that's you today, you just simply come to him and say, God, I, I admit that I need you. I want to live differently. I want to change directions. I, I ask for you to come and transform me. But for the rest of us, I want to just join us together in prayer right now. God, would you, would you give us boldness? Would you even just give us the boldness to pray bold prayers? God, we, we admit that this can be uncomfortable sometimes, that we've, we've We've prayed things and, and not seen the, the answer we want before, but God, we come understanding that you are sovereign Lord, creator of all, maker of heaven and earth, as the apostles prayed. God, we pray the same thing. Would you give us boldness? God, would you speak to some of those family members who have wandered away? God, would you send someone else in their life? Would you give them a dream? Would you give them a person? Would you give us the ability to speak into their lives? God, we pray for people who need healing right now. Would you do what only you can do? God, you are the great physician. We don't follow you because of what you can do for us, but we know that you can. And we ask for miracles, not miracles that, that do just make our life easier, but miracles that point to your glory and your goodness that draw more people unto yourself. God, we ask that you would infuse us with your Holy Spirit in a new and fresh way. We know that if we're a follower, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We would pray to be filled to overflowing, that we would continue to be being filled, that we would ask for you to show up and give us a boldness. God, that we would have something inside of us that we would be willing to take that first step and see how you show up when we step out. We trust you, Lord, and we give this all to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear about what God is doing in your life. To share your story or a prayer request, simply hit contact on our website. You can also support the ministry of Hope Culture Church by visiting hopeculturechurch.com give. We hope you have a great week.